Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod. Big Jim and Goody are here as usual and Beer 52 are helping to bring the pod to you this week and it's Oktoberfest time, isn't it boys? Don't, don't. These these special occasions that are being marked that we can't be at. But we can. You can bring it home. It's coming home. Beer 52's coming home. Um, so, yeah, we can't be there. But they can be here, if that makes sense. We can pretend to be German and das ist Goodjahr and just have the das ist Oktoberfesten at our Hausens. You know I can speak German. We've done it loads of times. Tell me now. Das ist der Kuckertaschen der Schlaschen, der ein Schlavi der Schlavi. I've mentioned it before. It's the man has dog biscuits in his pocket or something. Um, <laughs> and guten Morgen, die Scheiße, the China, which means... Shit China, something like that. But anyway, <laughs> said it before, say it again, multilingual. Your Beer 52 are helping you celebrate the famous Beer Festival uh, from the comfort of your own home, like Jim said. And they've got an offer for all Rugby Pod listeners. They're bringing you beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet. And they're giving you a free case of eight German craft beers. Woo, that is good. <laughs> it certainly is. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash rugby and cover the postage. The word is beer followed by the number 52.com. And don't worry if you change your mind because you can pause or cancel your account at any time. So just head to beer52.com forward slash rugby to get your first case of eight German beers for free. That's beer52.com forward slash rugby. And by doing so, you'll be supporting the pod as well. Das ist so gut, ja? Eins, zwei, drei, which is one, two, free. Get it? Free. Yes. Dry. Dry. Very good, Jim. You're in a good mood. Have you had a good week? Hell of a week. I have, actually. Uh, had a bad Saturday. I mentioned it to Goody. I may as well share it with the millions, as a lot of the people out there have got kids. And we worry about our kids' well-being, physically, mentally, whatever. Anyway, I don't know why I'm getting all deep. I'm not. JJ had an accident. The prodigy had an accident. The, prod- the favourite. <laughs> the the favourite son. The you can't one. say that. You can't say that, mate. I've got Phoebe and I've got... Um, uh, I've got the twins as well. Max, so he's Max. Got Max and Freya. Max and Freya. Max and Freya. JJ uh, fell out of a tree. He did. Um, I wasn't there. I didn't witness it. He came home crying. His sister's basically p- carrying him. Um, he ain't heavy as my brother and all that. Comes through the door, bursting through the door. I'm like, what's happened? He's screaming. But he's getting. He's acting all weird. And then it turns out he's bumped his head. And I, you know, just stupidly or carelessly I was like mate look you just need to sit there chill out you'll be fine and he was getting all aggressive and acting all weird I'm like mate you need to calm down what are you doing that's like you though Jim what which bit all aggressive and acting weird the whole time <laughs> very true <laughs> mate like father like son uh, next thing he, he gets up and he, his eyes are rolling and he's just projectile vomited over the whole room and as being goody and anyone in rugby knows Head knocks a serious business, right? Concussions serious, and then I started. Not, I didn't freak out. Like I'm all right with blood and stuff like that. I mentioned it before when we were on holiday. Max cut his eye, and he needed stitching up. Mate, we know that head knocks can be serious, right? And he weren't he weren't right at all. So back out to take him to the hospital. And uh, as we know, the NHS are very good, especially when it comes to kids. And they looked after him, and he was sick a few times, and he was sweet. But I just wanted to put that out there to the millions of people that have kids we'll all go through stuff like this and uh, he's fine can i just ask you about it jim then so firstly when he's climbing the tree that's a dad's job to teach him how to climb trees where were you 
Matt, I was probably watching the Ruggers, mate. Who knows? <laughs> you were like, get the kids out of the house. I've got rugby to watch. With your wasp shirt on as well, right? Well, we can get on to that, mate. I actually did. <laughs> um, I had my wasp slippers on. Well, they might have been bumblebees, but yeah, I got them for Christmas. What a shit present. Anyway. But yeah, so we had that drama on Saturday. Uh, mate, got a dog. Bought a dog. Another one. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, what do you mean, another one? Well, well, you've had about 14 now since what? poor old Bruce. Rest in, rest in peace, Bruce. Mate, I had A, so I bought but yet three sheep. So we had to, like, <laughs> I don't even class him as my dog. But we bought a dog. If you can call it a dog, it's more like a cat. I'm not overly happy in terms of the size of it. I'll be honest. I won't be seen out in public with it. I'll put him all on social media because he looks bigger. And that's what you do. You put your good life out there. And um, yeah, we've got, we've got another addition. Odie, Puppy. his name is. Puppy, yeah. Oh my God. You know how to make your life so much harder, don't you? He's actually really, I think it's a he. It could be a she. No, it's definitely a he. Yeah, he's got a pip. Yeah, it's definitely it's, it's definitely a he. But he's actually good. Mate, he's a miniature... Sh- <laughs> Talking of German, <laughs> schnauzer! Are they German? <laughs> the das is good, yeah. It must das, be, yeah. <laughs> That is why... That is why we bought it. Because it is Oktoberfest. We couldn't really go, but we buy a dog into property, Schlavin. And where did you go? Where did you go for that one? India? Or? Uh... Did I sound Indian then? <laughs> mate, who knows? Mate, it's Scotland, mate. He's Scottish. Scottish German. Scott German. I had to go north and get him. So we got a dog as well. And um, just watched my mighty wasps in me bee slippers absolutely dominate on the rugby. But look, it's not, hey, Goody's back. That's the most important thing. He's back from his third holiday of the year during lockdown. Have you, do you know anyone that's been on three holidays during lockdown? Three, Andy Good. No, Andy too, Good. Mate. What did we do? Two weeks in Portugal and two weeks in Cyprus. Why not? I mean, it's safer there. We had to have a COVID test to go into Cyprus. It's safer there. <laughs> it is. I mean, who knows what's going on in the world at the minute? You know, it's doomsday here in the UK. I dread to think what it's like living in Scotland where there's no alcohol anymore. Imagine all the Scots up there now she's closed that down. Nicola Sturgeon, no alcohol, no nothing. You'll just be thinking about Braveheart again and do it. I, I don't know. I can't do it, Paul. I can't do the drink. But we had an amazing holiday. Taught the twins to swim properly. Proper good oh, dad. What, what a dad. Oh, yeah. You mean you watched it while you watched the babysitter in the pool? (laughs) (laughs) What I will say is there were some sights at the hotel, let me tell you. There was a fair few Russians there. Oh, that's Um, disgusting. Is that that Russian? Uh, And you see, it's quite interesting. You see a lot of older Russian men with a lot of younger Russian women. And I looked around and there's, there's me with my missus. And I look comfortably worse than my missus without a shadow of a doubt. And I said to her, I said, you see how we're looking at these couples here going, he's the cash, she's the second or third wife probably or whatever. And you're like, the old fella has gone young for his bit of fun in life, later in life. I said, do you reckon people look at us like that? She's just like that. No. Yes, they do. They are looking at your missus and saying, that guy is a multi-billionaire. <laughs> that, that bloke must be doing something right because he makes me feel sick when I look at him. <laughs> tell me, tell me, when you're walking around, right, when you're walking around, I bet you've got these chino shorts and I bet you've got these kind of loafer shoes. Not, but no, Loafery not around, things. Not, not around the pool, mate. Flip-flops around the pool and then at night time, loafers with some jeans and... But the main thing is, I was just amazed. The twins just diving in, absolute nut jobs, swimming everywhere. They're not even three yet. These two girls can swim better than their dad can at 40 years of age already. It's embarrassing, really, how bad I am at swimming. 
but I'm proud of my girls. Whereas you're pushing JJ out of the trees, I'm teaching my twins to swim, Jim. So, you know. In, in Cyprus. <laughs> different levels of parenting right there. Mate, it is, mate. Well, before we get into the Premiership semi-finals, the Guinness Six Nations is back in less than a couple of weeks. And a few squads have already been named. Callum Sheedy is in the Wales squad after coming on the show last week. But John Cooney's not been named in the Ireland squad, lads. I don't know whether we can say you're welcome anymore. I genuinely don't. I feel, and I was thinking about this, one, I really feel for Cooney. I cannot believe off the back of two not amazing performances, because let's be honest, he's been amazing up to that point. Uh, he came on here and spoken about it. I know what it is. Goody's fucking stitched in by Judison Owen Farrell. It could be, yeah, uh, could be. Yeah, Judison Owen Farrell. Well, I, 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 I didn't Judas Owen Farrell. I just judged him on his tackle that was the most horrific tackle, as you said, Jim, since we've seen the new, the new Rex bring in. <laughs> so you're, dragging, fault, then. you're yeah. dragging me down. I'm taking you with me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, mate, and Andy Farrell's heard it. And then, obviously, you know, it, it, the world works this way. It works in weird ways. Obviously, comes on the podcast. We're talking about him being the Lions captain. And now, look. <laughs> He's not in the Ireland squad. Mate. It's, yeah, I mean tough on him but the good thing is there's so many games there's a lot of time to bounce back he scores at the weekend doesn't he you know and he you know he's a quality player you feel for him it's a tough time but if you read his tweet it was quite apt wasn't it you know he goes through some unbelievable highs and unbelievable lows um but what you love doing it, it can bring out all sorts of emotions so i'm sure that john cooney will be back in the island squad before long and we'll be back on that lion's bandwagon won't we jim Mate, we will. And, you know, some of these are the best stories. And Cooney's one of them guys who puts himself out there. Great that he comes on the pod. He speaks about the mental health aspect of life, but also being a professional athlete. And when he does bounce back, and bounce back, I mean, back into the squad at some point, he'll be better for it, I'm sure. And I don't mean to sound con- contrascending when I say that. I mean... Don't mean to sound what? Contrascending. What did I say? Con- contrascending, <laughs> is it? Cond, 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 cond. I don't mean to sound condescending. There we go. But, you know, ultimately he needs to show some resilience and I'm sure he'll bounce back and he will be better for it, I'm sure. He will. But the big news, and this is what people perhaps may not understand, is we talked about it last week. We had Callum Sheedy on. We did the podcast on Monday afternoon. He knew. Mate, he, he's played the best game of poker I've ever seen in my life. He's like, you know, I'm really proud to be Welsh and Irish and English. I'm, I'm really proud of all my heritage. You know, whether that be pulling on the green jersey, the white jersey. The re- I'm like, we got off the phone to him and then we're like, hey, mate, he is Welsh till they die. He is as Welsh as they come. And lo and behold, about three hours later, he's announcing the Welsh squad. So he knew, mate. He definitely knew. He, he toyed with us. Mate, he did. And it's congratulations to him. But it's also off the back of some sad news, I'm sure, with Gareth Anscombe. He's having surgery again on his knee. Fuck, I feel Unbelievable for him. that is, isn't it? Yeah, mate. It's, you, uh... think, you think back how long ago, like we've been through so much, haven't we? Uh, over in 2020, but you think back to August 2019, England against Wales at Twickenham. It was about 45 degrees heat, and he does that, you know, chases the chip or whatever. His knee goes, plays on, carries for, on playing, yeah, yeah, plays on for 10 minutes or whatever it was, and then you're out. It's, it's going to be two years, isn't it? Poor thing, that's brutal. Really feel for him, um, but you see the pictures. He's training hard in the gym, and you just. Fingers and toes crossed for a, a quick recovery for him, really. What else did you guys make of the the Welsh squad in particular? Who cares about the Welsh and Irish squad? Because breaking news, 
The magician is back. Finn's back. Finn is back. Finn is back in the Scotland squad. It's been announced. He's in. He's got, Give him... Actually, Hoggy's going to be skipper. Give him the VC armband. Give him Jim's vice-captain armband. I, d- I don't think he's got the credentials yet to be vice-captain. <laughs> <laughs> that is class as the glue. I can't he's, see it. But he's he's back, got the mate. car, though. He's got the Lambo, so just give him just give him the keys. Jim, what do you think it's going to be like for him going back into the squad after everything that's happened? Boys love him, mate. Boys love Finn. He's got a great relationship with the lads. I know there were some heated discussions from what you've heard around him and Hoggy, because Hoggy was captain, Finn came into the squad and there were some issues. And I think Hoggy found that probably, I'm, again, I'm speaking for Hoggy, he can maybe talk to us when we win the Grand Slam. Um, what are you English again now, Jim? In five years, in six years. Anyway, Hoggy can come on at some point and tell us about what happened for sure. But I know that Hoggy probably found it tough having to deal with Finn, who's a good mate of his. But look, ultimately, you do your talking on the pitch, right? And Finn has got this thing around him, around being a maverick. I mean, I would imagine people calling you a maverick. It's fucking cool as shit. I was just called shit. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I was just shit. I was just shit. But to be called a maverick, that is cool as shit. And he lets his rugby do the talking. Now, we've spoken about it before. He comes across as someone who doesn't really care, you know, just a little bit kind of whatever. He means business this year. And anyone you speak to, that's working with him, uh, that everything kind of coming out of Rassin. You look at the, the the try that he was involved in for, for Rassin 92 against Saris. Mate, he is a world-class player. And Scotland, we don't have many of them, right? And that isn't me speaking out of turn. It's fact. Not now you've retired, Jim. Not now, myself and a few others. You know, John Barkley was all right, but have retired. But you, know, you don't have many of them. And Hoggy's one of them, but he can't carry the weight of the expectation of the nation. But someone like Finn... This is his time. I genuinely believe that. I look at the tens across the British and Irish Lions and for me, Finn's the inform. So if he carries on, they go on to have a brilliant season. He does well. He comes back into the Scotland squad, performs well. And who knows what the rest of the season's going to look like in the lead up to the Lions. I'm telling you now, mate, he's got an opportunity to start. Mate, did you play with Finn? Yeah. And did you train with Finn? He was shite when I was there, mate. He was shite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to work out whether he looked at you and just thought, I fucking can't produce any more magic when I've got absolute donkeys like that that I'm playing with. Mate, I think when Finn came in, I was playing. I was, you know, basically institutionalised. I didn't want to give the backs of the ball when I played for Scotland. I was like, mate, they are absolutely abysmal. <laughs> but I think Phil Godman scarred me I'll be honest I think he scarred me um, hell of a bloke though hell of a bloke so a couple of other ones headline standouts for the millions of people that might not watch the Guinness Pro 14 Duan van der Merwe Our who big. has mate ridiculous mate he has been carving up mate so he's in on the on the wing he, um, mate he'll literally he'll walk into the team I don't it's want a good to Scottish horrible. name that isn't it yeah do I want the Marva? Mate, let's not, we can't, let's, it doesn't matter. Mate, Billy and Maka Vanapola is hardly bloody from Wigan, are they? Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then you've got, mate, Blair Cowan's back in. Yeah. Mate, he's been Swino, for Swin- Irish. Surely, surely Swinnow's back as well now, is he? Mate, no idea who he is. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Richie Gray's back in, though. He ain't yeah. been playing much for Glasgow, but yeah, he's, he's a millionaire, though, so maybe you don't want it. I don't know. I mean, just what I'm hearing. <laughs> Well, while we're speaking about international rugby, have you guys heard the news about the Springboks maybe not playing in the rugby championship? I have. Yeah, we have. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, is it down to COVID? Is it down to the way that they're being handled in terms of super rugby? It's interesting. New Zealand are the powerhouse in terms of 
they generally dictate terms down in the Southern Hemisphere, don't they, around what goes on and how it goes on. But actually, the biggest kind of TV revenue and viewership comes from South Africa. Oh, mate, I don't know. It'd be weird if South Africa aren't in the rugby championship. You know, there's obviously all the chat around Super Rugby disbanding and whatever, and does it go hand in hand? But it'd be a massive shame. And actually, would it be to the detriment of the competition? I think it would, yeah. Especially now, off the back of that game at the weekend. My goodness me, that was some match. It was. Andy Rowe, our shit in New Zealand now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> how weird is it? And how jealous that there's fans. I'm like, I just find it mental that we're knocking about and there's no one about ever. And it's almost like you're watching a different world. Yeah. Like, it's like... It's just like it's not live. It's just bizarre. But I'm in this headspace now where I've got Phil and Sean and Sharon in the garage and tied up or not? It's, it's just us. Mate, probably. I think I'm tied up. <laughs> but you're watching that unfold and you're like, like this ain't real. But it is anyway. That's that's well, a positive. It, uh, another question on it. So we talk about how great it is to see fans back in stadiums and watching it. It looks like a proper normal game where there's God knows how many fans. Are. How come it didn't sell out? Blood is low cup in Wellington. Like we've been through hell to get to this point of getting out of lockdown and you can't sell out a small cake tin tin pot stadium like that. China. You can't blame China on that. Wellingtonians, they're all the artsy latte soy milk drinking Wellingtonians. They're, What's they're wrong not with soy into milk? <laughs> Mate, they're just apathetic to rugby in Wellington and the conditions are shit. It's just shit conditions. Why would you go? Why has no one in Australia or New Zealand heard of a thing called a drop goal? I mean, James... James O'Connor's the worst one, right? Because that penalty, oh my God, it was going to be the last kick of the game. And the game goes on for another eight minutes. I mean, how ridiculous was that overtime? But then once it comes back off the post, you get the ball back. Yes, there should have been another penalty. Don't get me wrong. But James O'Connor, you fly half, you are straight in front of the sticks. The ruck is three metres from the try line. Easiest drop goal opportunity you'll ever get. And you go into history as the 10 that knocks over the drop goal in Wellington. First time they'd have beaten the All Blacks in about, let's call it 100 years. Right? And he doesn't even go for it. What are you thinking? Do you know, I was, scre- I was screaming at the TV, and this was probably my vice captaincy taking over. I'm screaming, kick it out. Like, <laughs> Take the draw. <laughs> I was kicking, mate, imagine getting the draw. Kick it out. Kick the ball out. That's all I was thinking, because, mate, as we know, New Zealand are a scary team, and they nearly went the length. But, again, the leadership taking over, mate, Kick it out. Kick it out. It's like a win anyway. But then Mwanga didn't go for a drop goal either at the other end, did he? It wasn't like you were scoring tries with them, either team, was it? But then back to the question, how bad will it be if South Africa aren't in amongst them as world champions? Because let's not forget they're world champions with the Lions tour coming up. So they might not play a game. And we said it, I'm sure we said it last week. South Africa might not play a game until the Lions test in the first test is what when is it july that'll be two years i mean they played the the greens versus the golds or whatever it was the other way it's 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 madness absolute madness but the world is a crazy place at the minute isn't it jim goody you want to talk about the premiership semis don't you mate i mean i don't know whether i should say this but i told you so i mean i've been saying wasps top four all year there's a few thank yous that we need to get through um, first of all, big thank you to Mike Brown for having his kick charge down a few weeks ago that gave Wasps a bonus point victory down at Harlequins. So you're saying it's lucky that they've made the, the, the first Wasps made the top four, is that what you're saying? Mate, Jack Willis charged the kick down. Thank you, Jack Willis. 
Yeah, I suppose it weren't that lucky. It was Jack Willis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just be thankful uh, for, for yeah. him. Um, but no, in reality, listen, it's um, it was an unbelievable performance from Moss. Uh, you know, you get to the top four, there was the whole drama around who was going to play who because of Sale. Then the Sale game gets cancelled. Bristol uh, finish in third position. So on the Wednesday, you now know that Wasps are playing Bristol. The backstory around Bristol, around what they've done, where they've come from, the players they've got. They've got the world's best player now in Semi Randrandra. There's about five or six ex-Wasps players at Bristol with a point to prove. Everyone's talking about Bristol's, weren't they? Jim was on the Bristol's bandwagon. And it's a great club. Let's not beat around the bush. We had Callum Sheedy on last week. Um, they do some amazing things on their social media. And they've got some unbelievable players. But on the day, at home... No fans, you have to build your own emotions. And, you know, it's a massive step for both teams because this boss team haven't been in the semi-final for a few years. And actually, a lot of these players wouldn't have played necessarily in a semi-final previously. Uh, and Bristol obviously come up through the ranks and they've got some star quality, but there's a lot of kids that are, have come through the pathway of promotion there. And Pat Lamb's doing some amazing things. But you look at the emotion on the day and where Wasp won the game... I haven't seen us defend with that intensity against an attacking threat like Bristol, who, you know, you got Randrandra, where was he? He made a break, yeah, but the boys were, like, hoeing into him. The defence, the ability to get off the line, it was another level that I've not seen out of Wasps for ages. And then when you dominate the breakdown as well, and then rip teams to pieces and attack, as we know Wasps can, in unstructured play, it was a, it was an unbelievable performance. And, you know, credit to Bristol, because they've had an amazing year, and I hope they go on this week and, and, and beat Toulon and win the, the Challenge Cup. But that was all about Wasp performance and how good was it? Jimmy Gopeth, about 49 years of age, still absolutely smashing the Premiership. Some people are going to question the refereeing, uh, Matt Carley letting Dan Robson's try go. But Nathan Hughes tapped and went from in front of the mark in the first half, which led to a try. So things even itself out. And Jack Willis, British Lions captain, end of... <laughs> Do I need to give an apology or not? Or do I just go with the flow? Uh, mate, I, I think you can say whatever you want, Jim. Just be yourself because you've bagged wasps all year, haven't you? You'd be like, mate, they, they've got no money. They're going under. They're not very good. They're not, never going to make the top. We're in the final, Jim. I'm we. sorry. I've said it. I'm sorry. <laughs> begged them for a couple of years, really, haven't you? I genuinely um, flabbergasted or whatever they say, flabbergasted by what I saw at the weekend because it weren't even close. They absolutely demolished Bristol's. Like they, it, it weren't even it weren't even close. I, I just I couldn't believe how good they were, and it's clearly a confidence thing. But what, whatever the coaches have done to get the best out of some of the players, Kieran Brooks, I ain't ever seen him play like that. Wow, I ain't never seen him play like that. What a hit as well, mate. I, I know it was on a winger, but you've got to put yourself in that position. You've got to want it right, and he's absolutely blitzed. Piers O'Connor. And then Will Rowlands, who I think is a very good player anyway. I've always rated him. He's massive. Launchbury and, you know, Fekatoa, Jimmy Gopeth, mate, I, I, Dan Robson. Let's just name them all. But we're, we're talking some, I mean, it was just, I was lost for words. I was watching it. I never, never saw it coming because I think Bristol's, they've been brilliant. And some of the players that they've got and some of the performances and the highlight reels from, you know, the back end of this season, Fully deserved. And then you throw into the mix, you mentioned it, the defence is what I thought was the difference and the physicality around that. But then the breakdown and Jack Willis and everything around this guy. And we've had, I had him on the podcast. One thing I want from him, right? I want him to be more ruthless in how he speaks in an interview. 
Don't be <laughs> humble, mate. Say it. Mate, just say it. Mate, I'm, I am sick. I am unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? Just go down that route and just say it. Say how, how it is. You can't he keep can't. pulling. Mate, you can't pull the humility card when you're playing like he is at the minute. You can't. Mate, he's, he's just ridiculous, isn't he? And, and I think you look at the balance of the two back rows. You've got Thomas Young next to him, who's a very similar player, turnover king as well. And I saw, yeah, I, I saw I saw someone tweet at the weekend and said, tweeting and said Thomas Young is a starting seven in most test teams. And yeah. we've said that before. We've all like Thomas Young was the one for me where we've said like he. I, I don't see how he's not. Well, there's Tipperick and uh, that's the issue. He doesn't and play then, in Wales, and then and then he's had Warburton and stuff like that, who's yeah. been up against and. Navidi's decent as well. Mate, I just, fair play is all I'm going to say. I'm happy. I am happy to eat my slippers and say fair play. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Because you actually look at the Bristol back row, Nathan Hughes, quality player. Jim, you don't fancy him too much, but he's a big old unit. Lua Tu has been awesome. And Ben Earl has been an absolute rock star. And Stand they just, out. yeah, they just, like Brad Shields, who you've got stuck into before, you said you just don't see it, Jim. He was awesome as well. I mean, just write an apology, Jim. We'll accept it. Matt, I will. So Brad Shields, but Fekatera as well, he weren't very good when he first turned up. And I'm, I'm being a bit harsh. It was only probably four or five games. But the guy's ridiculous. I'm not just saying that from seeing the selfie. I'm saying it off watching him. <laughs> Hell of a selfie though, isn't it? I don't think I've seen a better one. <laughs> I was a bit nervous though. When he got, he went, obviously scored the try. You could see his groin wasn't quite right. And I'm like, geez, if he goes off and Randrandra starts getting the ball. Because you, you could see Fekito was going to shot the life out of Randrandra. Then he goes off injured, and then I see Michael Le Bourgeois come on with that. Oh, my lid. Oh, my lid on Michael Le Bourgeois. But that's criminal. That, I mean, that, that's, <laughs> I'll be honest, mate, he, he needs to be locked up for that. <laughs> that was in the Coventry, only bad Well, not in Coventry, mate. You need to do a lot worse than that in Coventry. To get it looks like a 1970s honest. porn star, to be fair. Uh, I mean... Maybe that's what foxed the, uh, the Bears. Do you get it? Foxing the Bears. No. No, you don't get it. Okay. No, I there don't we get go. that. <laughs> oh, yeah, bear. Yeah, bear back. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, great win. And um, Jim is now a Wasp fan. Tell me this. Will Wasp beat Exeter? You say will. They've got every chance. Uh, you, you watch Exeter play. And I, was it you that tweeted they're unplayable? Just one line, mate. Just put it out there to the millions. You did. They're unplayable. The issue that X are going to have and... You've been in this situation before, Goody, and you know myself, uh, in big games where you've got to go back to back. So the big issue that they're going to have is how do you back up that emotion, both physically and mentally, from a European game against Racing into another final, whereas Wasps have got two weeks to build up for that game, build the emotion, get Fekatoa fit, and get everything in line for them to go to Twickenham for a one-off game. Extra have got to do it twice, yeah. and that's and that and that's difficult because the, the, you know they can't even think of the prem yet. They've got to think about the game against Racing, which is going to be. I mean, you know, who knows what way that's going to go? And then yeah. off the back of that, what's going to come injury wise? I, I think the good thing for Extra is the travel. They don't have the travel because they could be playing at Bristol's. It's obviously up the road, but I just you know it's going to be interesting to see. But having seen what I saw from that Wasp team, uh, Andrew, we're in line for maybe the first time ever. You're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, there is a chance. And I'm not going to say Wasps are favourites because they're not. But if they can repeat the energy, the enthusiasm, the sheer bloody-mindedness around their defence and physicality that they showed against Bristol, against Exeter, and those other factors then come in. The big pressure's on Exeter. If you think about it, Wasps have got a free shot here because, apart from myself, no one expected them to get to the Premiership final, did they, Jim? No. 
and now they're no, there. I, I genuinely, I don't, if you, I don't even think they did as players. <laughs> they, well, they, I think as soon as Saracens get relegated and you come back from lockdown and, you know, you're seeing all these teams with a chance, why haven't they got a chance? Why don't they think they, they can get through to the final? Um, and now it's all about understanding how you stop Exeter in the 22. Once they get in the 22 and start the pick and goo, you know, they are very tough to stop and people find it exceptionally hard. Wasps can, if they can reproduce what they did against Bristol's, they can certainly win it. Do I think they're favourites? No, I think Exeter are favourites, but there is a different pressure on Exeter because they're favourites. You think they've now got to their fifth Premiership final on the spin and they've lost three out of the four they've already played in. All to Saracens, obviously, but they are the big dogs this year. And I think I wrote a column for Rugby Pass on it. There's a whole different pressure on Exeter now in the Premiership final because there is the expectation that they're the big team and they're going to win it. But Wasser got a shot to nothing because no one outside their camp will think that they can win the Premiership. And they'll believe they can if they perform as they did in the semi-final. So um, Jim and I are back in the Wasps, aren't we? Come on, Wasps. I don't know. Oh. Well, we'll come back and talk more about Exeter shortly, but we can have a chat now with the man who's turned things around at Wasps in the second half of this season and led them to the Premiership final. Lee Blackett joins us. How are you, mate? Yeah, all good, thank you. A lot better after the weekend. I know a few boys are frustrated because uh, if you get to a Premiership final, you get two and a half weeks off. If you don't, you got three weeks off. So uh, <laughs> it's been a, a great few weeks and hopefully we can, we can enjoy these last couple. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. And watching us go so well in the last few oh, weeks has been great. It's been great. <laughs> Lee, mate, I had you at the beginning of the season, mate. I had you down as potential champions, let's be honest. Um, I've never heard so much bollocks in all my life. Uh, no, no, I should, ap- should apologise. And that kind of brings me on to this because I'd, I'm ha- quite happy to eat humble pie. And it's amazing that, that Wasser are doing really well. I'm from Coventry originally, the fact that it's really important for the city to be able to have something to, to hang their hat on. But for you personally, there's been a load of changes. Let's go back a little bit because, mate, was I would I'd say you weren't even on your knees as a club. I say it was even worse than that. How have you managed to turn it around? That's that's a tough question. It's probably a question we're we're asking ourselves all the time at the moment. Uh, did we expect it to go as well as we it has? Uh, probably not. Probably all be lying if we said that. But it, I always look back to probably obviously it was a difficult week leading in when when Dye left and it, it led us into that Leicester game. And I just think confidence, we were were ultimate low. And it's probably only really been the last couple of weeks when I, I really reflected and tried to look at this. And and actually, when you, you reflect back to, to that meeting the day after we played Leicester, and Leicester, to be fair, dominated us in the rain. Uh, they were struggling for a result themselves, but they, they imposed their game on us and, we had some really difficult, honest conversations. So it, it all came as a bit of a shock to die when he left. Obviously, a guy that had been around the club for a long time. And it, it came a little bit out of the blue. Yes, form-wise, we weren't the greatest, but we felt like things were just starting to come back a bit. But but actually, if you, we, we came in the following day. And when you're hearing people talk about, we're not good enough to do this, and this was players within the ranks saying, we're not the team we were. Stop trying to pretend we're the team we are. We're not good enough to play this way. We're not good enough to do that. And there, on reflection, that was when we were at our ultimate low. And uh, 
that's where we had to start changing. We had to talk about what our identity was, what were we as a team. Stop too, too, too many people try and improve on the weaknesses. And, and for us, it was about focusing on our positives. What, what, were, what did we rank ourselves the best in the Premiership, if not very close? And there was a couple of things we started basing our game around. One, obviously, a breakdown. Uh, always helps when you've got Jack Willis mind. But <laughs> yeah, our breakdown was something we we focused massively on. And we started just spending more time on our strengths. And, and we always felt broken field. Uh, they were probably the, the two things that started. Uh, we're trying to develop on our other things. But that, for, for us, was our identity. Because Leicester definitely had an identity of up front against us on that day. They drove, they drove us to death in the rain and they imposed their game on us. And, and really, obviously, turning from there, getting the result we got against Saracens and then the confidence built. Mate, don't mention the Saracens game. Jim was obviously at the Rico Arena for that one and was absolutely devastated. Who takes 60, Jim, eh? Who takes 60 points? Scott, Scotland generally, oh, mate, do, when, yeah, when I was do, playing. Um, it's interesting. Isn't it? I spoke to a few of the lads. I had a chat with Jimmy Gopeth last week um, and he actually said that attack framework-wise, not a lot has changed. So, ultimately, you were the attack coach under Dye. Uh, Dye leaves, you take over as head coach. But one of the things I want to ask you, you look at that starting team from the weekend and as far as I know, uh, every one of those players was signed by Dai, weren't they, that was in the team. How much of uh, kind of respect level do you still have for Dai in that, in that sense? But how much have you changed purely by giving the guys confidence? Because that's what seems to be the massive difference between start of the season when you're losing games like London Irish game. And then halfway through this season when you're beating Bristol in the last minute, you're beating uh, Bath down at the wreck uh, in difficult circumstances. It's got to be a confidence thing, hasn't it? Yeah, look, the, the, the confidence, it just grew with momentum. There's tiny little things. There's things all through the weeks that have changed and the way we train and everything like that. But we, we've we had a good base, haven't we? They recruited a really good squad. Uh, the academy have done a fantastic work as well, bringing some of those young guys. So we, we, we've had a good base. And definitely for me, it's just been... It's been the confidence. I, I would love to know exactly what it is. I think there's there's hundreds of little things, I think, the players have to take a lot of credit themselves. Some of the some of the leaders really have stood up. Uh, Joe Lordsbury will be unrecognisable to you, Goody. You were obviously there a few years ago, probably six six years ago with him. He, he's just a different guy. I think anyone that comes into the environment just is amazed by how good a leader he is. But there's loads of others. There's Brad Shields, who's captain the Super Rugby title. So yeah. there's plenty. Dan Robson's doing a great job for us. Thomas Young. Okay, and then and then you've got your old man Jimmy Gopeth. How good? He seems to be getting better and better. <laughs> I, I thought he was outstanding at the weekend, uh, especially defensively. Mate, we'll come on to some of the players as well, Lee, because th- there's loads that we could talk about and some that are obviously taking the headlines. But for you personally, when there was a takeover or when Di left and there's talk of the next coach coming in, I was hearing rumours that you were looking at Ospreys or you know speaking to Ospreys or, e- or even Coventry. What a turnaround now, if that was the case, if the rumours were true. And, mate, poor Derek, mate, even if you don't win the final, which we obviously want you to, mate, he's he's going to get the coaches knocking the door saying that they want three times what they're getting paid (laughs) from before. (laughs) But you know what I mean? But, I mean, it's crazy how sport works, right? You're talking, if you were, to Coventry or Ospreys, and now Wasser back. And they're not just back through the back door, Mate, you absolutely demolished Bristol at the weekend. It wasn't even close in the end. I just find it quite unbelievable. But how weird has it been for you to try and process that? And I know there's still obviously a game to go, so we don't want to get too carried away just yet. No, it's been hard. It's it's been hard. 
hard to. I think when you when you're looking back, that the the really hard thing was obviously the hole we were in at the time and talk about confidence. But no, the work rate of everyone behind the scenes, all the staff, and that's the most pleasing thing for me. When you when you're looking at the staff and you're looking how much hard work everyone's putting in, that's before we get to the players. But you're you're seeing the the hard work, the graph that's been put in. Look, when coaches. If coaches were, if we were getting the results we were getting, and the coaches were poor, and there was the players had turned the backs on the coaches, the coaches would have gone. Generally, that is what happens. Yeah. But the thing was they actually the players, the loyalty they showed to the coaches, the belief they had in everyone showed throughout, and uh, that's probably why everyone kept the jobs and stayed in uh, because we felt like that there was confidence from the players towards the staff that we could turn this around and. That for me, I'll never forget the loyalty of the players for that. But it's great for the staff seeing the emotions on people's faces, having gone through what we probably went through the previous 18 months, not going the way we wanted to, to, to now see where everyone is now. And the boys are putting out performances that backs up all their work off the field, but all the staff as well. And you talk about the staff, you talk about your role. You know, From the outside, everyone saw you as the attack coach. Uh, under die you'd now moved up to head coach director of rugby role there's so much more to do for you as the guy at the top um, how have you found that balance how much more work is there to do and you've obviously relied on people like Stephen Vaughan to do some parts of it especially going through the whole covid situation and, and players you know having their contracts reduced how hard has that been for you as well to balance life happiness because I know you're a jovial character that has a load of banter with the boys have you had to distance yourself a little bit from that as well or is it still the same old banter with the lads because an assistant coach you can get stuck into not as much as a head coach right it's true there's loads of little things but what one thing i would like to say to everyone i want people to to be themselves throughout the whole thing so i don't want to create a fake so if, if i'm one character in one role do i really need to change too much I, i'm i was always happy to have those difficult conversations those will carry on but once you've had those conversations we can get back to to treating each other the way we should do uh, so, look, in terms of that, even probably a couple of pleasing things from the weekend. I love the, the non-23, the way they celebrated Dodger House. Yeah. And I love the way Pete Atkinson uh, was showing emotion for each try. I don't want people to change. I want people to be exactly the same and be who they are. So, in terms of that, in terms of my role, I think I've had a uh, getting better and better uh, with the likes of Stephen Vaughan. I think he's been a massive help for me. Um, Kev Harmon with a lot of the recruitment side. So, yes, I could, uh, I'll have the final say on players and staff and everyone within the rugby side. Uh, but they deal with all the agents and and you can get so you can get dragged away because, as you know, Goody, you've uh, you've had plenty of contract negotiations in your time. Uh, you have to speak to agents about thirty times before you get a player across the line, and so yeah. that takes a lot of time. Uh, an effort and you, you're doing that for several people so it's brilliant to have that so I can concentrate on the rugby side and, and we've got a great understanding I think and even the likes of Derek exactly the same so we, we understand the line and, and where not to pull me away uh, it's something we spoke about from the outset and I've made those mistakes I know it was in the championship before for other but I've made those mistakes before and I see how it can drag you away from the rugby side and, and that's the most important part You were chatting about 
Jimmy Gopeth and how well he has done since he's come back off injury. For me, he's one of the best players the Premiership that we've ever had. You know, Malachi Fekato is another one who you've just got the absolute best out of. But I want to talk about the man of the moment. Everyone's talking about Jack Willis. And it's one of them where you can jump on the bandwagon, right? You'd be like, yeah, this kid's unbelievable. You know, turnovers after turnover. But, you know, actually watching the game again at the weekend... How difficult is it for you as a coach to be able to manage the expectation of such a young player and not hype him up to be as unbelievable as he looks on the pitch? I suppose there's the first question. But also, is he as good as we're, we're all thinking? Because you're trying to look for things. You'd be like, no, nah, there must be something. I, I don't think I've seen a, a better performance from a back row player in, in a long time than what I saw at the weekend. And he does it week in, week out. Sometimes as a coach, you like to you like to pat yourself on the back and say, "Oh, look, we're well coached." And then you got someone like Jack Willis, who's a bit he's like playing a computer game with a cheat mode. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's been, he has been fantastic. But one thing I, I can speak freely about Jack because his feet are firmly on the ground. He's a grounded lad. He's very humble in terms of what he, he brings, and he works extremely hard. And he's he's washed through and through uh, his desire to to keep improving and get on the international stage. I think that's obviously something behind the scenes, massive focus for him. And hopefully that comes sooner rather than later. I can't see how it can't. But look, it, the, the best thing about him is his desire to get better and he will get better. If you look a few years ago, he was really good at Jacqueline. His brother probably potentially a better carrier than him, his younger brother. But he's worked so hard on his carry stuff. Uh, but there is definitely areas of the game. You heard his... He heard his interview after the game. He wasn't pleased about certain aspects of it. And that's just him trying to be a perfectionist and he will get better. He's nowhere near the finished article for himself. And you mentioned there he's washed through and through. He's come through the academy. You mentioned his brother as well. That's something that's definitely come back into the picture and, and be really prominent at Wasp because in my time at the club, the, the academy wasn't that great, but you've invested time and people and money and Kevin Harmon's running it now. You've got players like Alfie Barbary coming through. He's about 14 years of age, but he's got the strength of a 45-year-old, fully grown Georgian man. Um, how excited are you about him as well in the back row? Yeah, look, he, he, he's one of many. He keeps trying to tell me he's a centre. Uh, <laughs> I keep trying to remind him he's a hooker. Playing <laughs> Uh, no, it, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it, for Alfie? He's been told he's a British and Irish Lion since the age he was eight. Everyone's telling him how good he is. He's come in. He obviously had an injury last year, two really bad hamstring injuries uh, that l- left him out for, I say, last season. It's still this season, actually, but it was 12 months ago. And he's fought his way back, and he's working hard now behind the scenes. And he, there's loads of his game that he can work on, but you just see the raw potential in him. How many other people have the first premiership start and score a hat trick? Jim, did you? Apart from Jim. <laughs> well, mine was against India, but anyway, it's, 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 it's not about me. It's not about me. One of the things, Lee, I wanted to chat about, and it's probably difficult to gauge now because there are no fans in the stadium, but me and Goody are from Coventry, and I was a ball boy at Coventry Rugby Club, right? So when Cov were a really good team, the football team, we've watched the demise of them. Again, we were living in Coventry when they were in the Premiership, right? So as a city, Coventry has been going downhill. There's, I'm speaking completely frankly, but rugby has always been a thing, right? So some amazing rugby players, and I don't point at myself when I say that, you know, there's some big names that have come out of Coventry. How important is it that Coventry have a, a team like yourself 
uh, performing? Because I know there's a lot of work that goes in uh, behind the scenes to engage the local community, the way that you go about bringing fans into the Rico arena. But how important do you, do you feel that as a club that it, that it is to have a, a team that's playing so well? Yeah, and that, that's probably the biggest shame in all this. You, you just, you come into Rico for a semi-final last week, you know how big it is and absolutely gutted not to have 33,000 in there. You, you, you'd be sold out and, and that feeling, and you feel for Derek in all this as well, the amount of money he's investing and you can see these big games coming up and how much that would have helped everything. But uh, for us, we, we feel it. We, feel, we do feel the support. Uh, that's probably the, the beauty of social media. It's great when you're going well, by the way. <laughs> but no, it's we feel we we. It, it's not just obviously doing it for ourselves. Our supporters are are really important to us, and obviously we're disappointed in a couple of weeks' time that no supporters will be at Twickenham. But hopefully we can put them in and get a result for them. And you, you mentioned Derek then, how important has he been to you, the support that he's given you, but also in this really tough time, we all know the finances of rugby um, pre-COVID were, were pretty stark. Um, now we're in this battle against COVID, no fans in the stadiums. We've seen extra say they're losing a million quid a month. There's a lot of pressure on Derek to keep putting money in, let's be frank about it. Um, how grateful are you to have him as an owner and, and how much does he kind of bug you every week about the rugby side? I've been on to Derek about bugging me more uh, just because I, I, his passion for the game is infectious. Yeah. So we, we, he spent a long time not that coming down to down to the club as much. He's spending more time at the stadium uh, rather than training ground. And he's been down a lot more at the training ground recently. And his, his, his passion and desire for the club is so infectious. And the boys crave it. I speak to a lot of the leader, like Joe Launch, who speaks to me regularly about him, loves him being down there. You see him sitting for lunch, having lunch with the players. And, and that's the type of club we want to create. We want to create this family club as well. We, we know what we are. We know we're a business in the end. But for, for us, it's about our family and having Derek on board is massive. And his, his backing for me personally, I'll never forget it in terms of giving me the opportunity. Because he's the one who makes, obviously Steve makes a lot of decisions day to day, but he, he has to run these through Derek. So look, I'll be forever grateful. But the, the biggest thing for me about Derek is his passion for, for Was to succeed. No, he's unbelievable. Lee, before you go, I just wanted to ask you something while Goody's here as well, because he's got this nickname that he's calling you Ian Dowie. I can't see it myself. Well, I, can't, mate. I can't see it. It wasn't me. It wasn't oh, was me. it not you? Has it come from somewhere else? I can't I see it myself, I mate. I don't want to throw someone under the bus, but Dan Robson told me. <laughs> well, he won't be playing the final, will he? <laughs> <laughs> but I think Ian Dowie's all right, mate. He's a good manager. <laughs> he was Cov City manager, wasn't he, back in the yeah, day? That's why I'm saying it, yeah. I was listening to this podcast quite a bit and then I stopped. As soon as he called me in Dowie, that was it. <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> How much better did Dad Robson look like? Look with hair, though? He looked, but he was hanging on for a while, weren't he? And now he's just, mate, he's gone for the Ian Dowie, mate. He's just shaved it off. He has, he has. I'm trying to, but I've, yeah, it's gone a long time ago. You need to speak to my guy, don't you? Maybe if we win the Premiership, Derek will pay for us all to have our hair done. How about that? Hey, that sounds all right to me. <laughs> but I think if Was- if we win the Premiership, mate, is Lee's hair will grow back by itself. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, Lee. Well, best of luck winning that Premiership at Twickenham and uh, all the best uh, moving forward with the with the role. Cheers, guys. All the best. Cheers, Lee. Cheers, Lee. Good luck, mate. Come on, you Wasps. 
great good bloke. lad great top bloke, bloke. Mate, top he bloke is. he really is and what about you jim hey we we wasps we look like i'm gonna I'll, we'll come back to lee blackett but jim that was fucking embarrassing yeah like, you've been you've been bagging wasps for like three or four years and now you're like oh lee this is amazing wasps is such a great club you mean so much mate, to the I'm community not from Bangladesh. mate it's embarrassing <laughs> your voice changed cringeworthy mate, you know what that's the first time i actually when it was coming out i was cringing because <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time ever that i was like actually this is coming across like disingenuous but it's not mate look goody come on the truth hey, well, came out, Lee, mate, Lee said it himself hand on heart hand on mortgage and i know you don't have three mortgages if you did have a mortgage hand on pablo's heart okay so it means if you're lying to me you're gonna lose pablo forever did you think that was would make the playoffs hey i said it at the start of the season didn't i do you remember? Back, yes. Okay. Do so let me, let, me be, let me be more specific. So, did you think that Wasps, having seen everything unfold there, the injuries, Gopeth weren't playing, the form they were in, would have made the Premiership final? Hand on Pablo's heart. Mate, Gopeth came back and was fit again. So, he missed last season. That's why we weren't very good. This season, mate, we're on fire. We are. We did it. All, all we I, did it. But yeah, mate, let's go back to Lee because what a bloke. He genuinely is. A proper, decent, salt-of-the-earth guy. Um, Northerner. Yeah. And we like Northerners, don't we? We do. He's he's got the boys playing with confidence. They love playing for him. They have a good crack at training. There's no angst. There's no anxiety. There's no... um, You know, he has hard conversations, but you just know... How good is it as a player to know where you stand with a coach? Because we've both played for coaches that... You ain't got a fucking clue if he likes you or hates you or... You know, he's trying to stab you in the back or, you know, want to be your best mate. But Lee Blackett, and he's given this belief to all the players, and it shows on the field, doesn't it? Well, it's unbelievable. You look at, right, you look at, you go up the M69er, right, to Leicester, and no disrespect to Wasp, but you look at the players that Leicester have got in terms of England internationals, right, and you can see there is zero confidence in that team. Zero. Mate, Wasps, the com- and again, you know, this is the, the question in sport, isn't it? Confidence is everything. But I just, and I'll be honest, i say it again, never in a million years, if you would have said to me at the beginning of the season, would Wasp make the fight? I would have said no. I would have, I, I wouldn't have, I, yeah, I would have honestly, no banter aside, I would have said no chance. Yeah. Well, we'll get on to your feature in just a minute, Jim. But first, Budgie Smuggler are on board with us again this week and they're asking you to get involved. They want to know what's the weirdest thing you've seen either this week or ever, and they're calling it Weirder Than Weird Fish. Get it? get it? Yeah. I get yeah. it. Yeah, do you get it? I get it. All you got to do is tweet us or send us the weirdest thing you've seen or heard this week, whether it's on social media, uh, in the news, or from your local club, and tag us and Budgie Smuggler. So that's at Budgie Smuggler. And you could be in with the chance of winning a pair of Budgie Smugglers. Speaking of which, Budgie Smuggler have got some winter kit out as well. And you've been wearing it, haven't you, Jim? Yes, it's the Woolly Warmer. No, it's not. It is the <laughs> Woolly Warmer. <laughs> oh, it's the jumper. And I've not got it on today. It needed a wash, but my goodness me. Right, well, they've got masks as well as hoodies as well and shirts and jumpers. And so make sure you check them out at budgiesmuggleruk.com if you're interested in getting your hands on those. Right, well, Carol's away filming again this week, but she sent you another riddle, Jim. Uh, so have you been revising like you said you might? I'd say last week was probably the most embarrassing one that I've done. Uh, So I apologise to the millions and the people who've stopped me in the street and questioned whether or not I was taking the pesh or not. Uh, I weren't. 
So as in, they, as in naught times one is one, yeah? Well, there was a bit of that, but I think it was just more... <laughs> I was just reading too much into it. So this week, I'm going to... I'm, I'm just saying... The simplest of things. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to break it down. I'm not going to go too far into it. I'm just going to say what I see. All right, we'll do your intro then, mate. Let's get into it. So this segment, for the millions of people that don't know, but you all know, okay, it's called Jim Will Solve It. It's a riddle. It's not just any riddle. It's my riddle. Riddle me this, lads. Riddle me that, Carol, wherever you are. Jim Will Solve It. I promise you I'll do it this week. I promise. Peel back. Hey. <laughs> All right, here we go. If 11 plus 2 equals 1, what does 9 plus 5 equal? Right, I'm going to have to write this shit down. With that. If 11 plus 2 <laughs> equals 1, what does 9 plus 5 equal? If 11 plus 2 equals 1... How does that work? 11 plus 2, so 13, equals 1. What does 9 plus 5 equal? Yeah, got it. Got it. Well, 9 plus 5 is 14, 11 plus 2 is 13. So if 11 plus 2 is 13, and that equals 1, 9 yeah. plus 5, what does 9 plus 5 equal? Can you hold up your workings? I just want to see what you well, what do you mean? Well, this, I've, 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 all I've wrote was that 11 plus 2 equals 13. Equals I, bet you've drawn a willy, I bet you've drawn a willy as well, haven't you? <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I've actually drawn 13 willies. <laughs> That's what I do. Uh, 9 plus 5 equals 14. So, hang on. So, if 11 plus 2 equals 1, 11 plus 2 equals 1. So, 13 equals 1. 9 plus 5 equals 14. 1.1? Oh, oh, oh no! I thought you were going to get this one, Jim. Nine plus five equals fourteen. It does. Yeah. Has that got anything to do with it or not? Yes. Yes, certainly does. Eleven plus two equals one. Yeah. So thirteen is effectively one. That's what I've got. Yes, Jim. Here we go. Yeah. Here we okay. go. Yeah. So I've got that. Yeah. Easy. That's easy. Yes. Then not nine plus five would equal. Or does equal? Well, it equals 14. It does equal 14. Right? Yes. And what else could that be used for, Jim? Bearing in mind that 13 equals 1. 2. Yay! <laughs> Can you explain oh, why, though? Because you're almost starting the, the chain of <laughs> numeracy again, aren't you? Is there a chain of numeracy but, or not? I mean, you've made up a phrase there, but... Technically, well, if you've got thirteen what, equals one, so yeah. really twelve is zero. So, correct. Under what circumstances are we talking about? Well, the, the, the circumstances we've just done on the, on the riddle. <laughs> but what in day to day life? What would this equate to? Oh, I've got it. Twenty four hour clock. Mrs. Good, Mrs. Good, you have come good when the pressure was really on because I was losing credibility. I'm losing credibility in the playground where the kids go to school. They're looking towards me and they're thinking my kids are stupid because I'm their dad. Not anymore, lads. Riddle me this, lads. Riddle me that, Carol, wherever you are filming. We miss you. Jim just solved it. It was two. 24-hour clock. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Proud of you, Jim. How well good done. are my lungs? How well good done, are my mate. lungs? How big are my lungs? Would you guys make the other semi-final, the Exeter v Bath game? Yeah, I was trying to work out which game was more more impressive. I'm still going to say was the way that they beat Bristol's, but yes, Jim, you're converted. I am. I'm, I'm converted. And look, I meant what, hey, I meant what I tweeted. Extra unplayable. I don't even know. How, I wouldn't even know when you're coaching it, right? So if you think, right, you're Bath. You've got a really physical pack. They've been brilliant all year. Ben Spencer's been brilliant. Now, there's a few things, obviously, line-out goes astray or whatever, penalty kicks to corner. You're thinking, oh, shit, we've been training all week, all week with how to deal with a pick-and-goo. We know if we give a scrum free kick away, Luke Kamensicki is going to tap and go, and they're going to be so close to the line with an inch of their life. Right? And they, you're thinking, we need to defence. There's going to be a point where we need to defend. All week, you'll defend it. The pick-and-goo, the pick-and-goo, you ain't letting anyone in until you play the Chief Chief Chiefs and you're letting them all in. Undefendable, <laughs> mate. Mate, it's undefendable. As a man that was one of the top 10 best second rows in your own household, not in Scotland, not in the world, how do you stop that? Because I can you imagine you getting down trying to stop a pick and go. Oh, well, I did, mate. I did. I don't know if it's all fine in 2016. Um, mate, Saracens, remember we used to specifically do it. And what Exeter do so well, it's not necessarily... The ball carrier has got the easier part of the job because he picks the ball up and it's like Swino, his try against Saris. Mate, he didn't want to score, mate. They've carried him over the line, the no, latches. Mate, that, was, the people that, that was all carried. Swino. That was no, all it Swino. wasn't. But what Exeter do so well is the carrier stays on his feet, then the defender tries and blitzes them whatever way they can. But it's because the guys that are latching onto him effectively, you, you put in three, three men, three big men, the ball carrier plus two latches, on two defenders, for example. And you, at Saracens, we tried to defend with three, take out the latches, which you can't do now, before you could target the people that were latching onto the ball carrier. I'm being a bit technical here, but they've got the most difficult job because you're exposed, you ain't got the ball, you don't get any of the glory, but that's what they do so well. Like Exeter, they, it's almost undefendable. Yeah, I mean, Johnny Hill, like he shouldn't be good in that position, really. Like, look what, at you. Why? Because he should have been sent off or not? <laughs> well, you can talk about that. I actually yeah. don't think he should have. No, I thought I thought it was fine. I, I say fine. I think it was refereed and Wayne Barnes, the best referee in the world, as the TMO. And I, I thought they got it right. You can't send someone off for that when you. It's not clear cut that it's contact with the head and neck. You know, and you go back to, and it's interesting having an ex Saracen on here, Jim. Do you see some of the tweets at the weekend? From some of the Saris boys, ex-Saris boys. I've heard about it, and which I found weird. Chokers? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of bad blood. I think there's still a lot of bad blood there. So Wiggy, Richard Wigglesworth, friend of yours, friend of mine, friend of everyone's, good lad. The show. Yeah, he's put out there that the ref bottled it, as in giving the red card. So he's basically called Wayne Barnes uh, a bottler. But the big one for me was, I can't remember, someone tweeted something about how good Exeter were. And Leah Williams piped up and called them bottlers, obviously because there's you know the, the history of the final last year. They reckon Saracens boys are obviously saying that Exeter bottled the final against them because there's a lot of bad blood there, isn't there? And then you, read, I, I wasn't aware of it. I, well, I know. Mean, well, I think there is. Obviously, now you, I was at the Exeter Saracens game for BT Sport back in December when it all kicked off. Remember, Harry Williams ran in and got sent off. So there's obviously a bit of bad blood there, um, and. Yeah, I mean the decision around Johnny Hill. I don't. I think it's a yellow card, hundred percent. He doesn't wrap his arm. It's he's tucked it down. He, you know, he's made contact, and you could probably see quite a few of those in the game, can't you? When there's a jackler over the ball, you're hitting the back of their upper back, 
the spine area, it's dangerous, but that's part of rugby. That's why you speak to Jack Willis, he gets over the ball. He knows he's getting pummeled in there. Falatau's over it, and it, you know, it was bad technique to the way he hit him, but it's never a red card for me. I think the right decision was made, and you know, Stuart Hooper said he thought it was a red card. Would it have changed the game? Potentially, but I still think Exeter would have had too much for him. You know, and it's arguably his arm was slightly closed. And this isn't us sticking up for players that we like because we like Johnny Hill and we like Exeter. Which Terrible is beard though, eh? Awful. Absolutely. <laughs> it's good. It, it might even be the worst. That might even be the worst beard I've ever seen. I don't even know what it is. I mean, not that Amish is bad, but it, I mean, he might be Amish. He might be. Have you seen Johnny Wilkinson's one that I saw on social media? That that, he stuck that on. He stuck it, it on. That it ain't did real. Like, yeah, it did look like he's been in some movie set, but yeah. They looked at it properly, didn't they? Yeah. That's the thing. You've got Wayne Barnes as TMO. You've got Luke Pearce. They're, they're talking about it. They're two of the best referees in the game. Mate, if it's a red card, they're going to send him off. No, the interesting thing that I found was when you actually listen to the dialogue, obviously Luke Pearce is the referee who's in charge, right? And I'm not undermining him at all, but he was so forthright in what he thought he saw. He knows he's got the best referee in the world in the TMO box. And Barnsley said, oh, we're just looking for any other angles. And I, I thought Barnsley was trying to say, let's not just rush into this. Because they have that code thing, don't they? Where, you know, if they say, we might have another angle for you, that's basically saying, you got this fucking wrong, son. Uh, we need to have a look. And you could see Barnsley just didn't want him to just go flat out, nah, that's just a yellow. And he was trying to say, let's just see if there's any... And he was guiding him, wasn't he? But Luke Pierce was like, no, no, I'm the boss here. That's a yellow card. He's, mate, he's good, mate. I think yeah. Luke Pierce. Oh, he's is a great, great ref. ref. He's a great ref. He looks like Tom Daly. He's a great ref. He's but, always mate, got a great hey, he's fr- He has, mate. And he's from down that way. I'm just saying. I'm not yeah. saying there's anything <laughs> in it. But he's from down Exeter way. And... Um, no, it's definitely, it's definitely not a red in my opinion. But hey. Well, it's probably never been a bit of time to sign up to our Patreon content because, Gertie, you caught up with uh, Chiefs legend Gareth Stinson, didn't you? I did. I did. Hell of a bloke, actually. Mate, he's, he's looking lean. He's looking lean at the minute. He's going to the coach's world, isn't he? So. Mate, ageing. That's what happens with age. Well, no, sorry, it doesn't. Sorry, Gertie. I mean, with me. <laughs> Have a listen to this. You got the club promoted. You've stayed there. You're the one of the major leaders of the squad throughout the time in the Premiership. And this is effectively your last season as a player what would it mean to you to be crowned European champions and, and be the final straw and, and kind of the hat for you well it would just be the, the complete the complete thing for me obviously never got the opportunity to play international rugby so um, the highest uh, chance and highest accolade I could possibly get would be the, he- uh, the Heineken Cup growing up back home in, uh, in Northern Ireland you know the whole thing was always based around watching the European Cup games and I remember when Ulster won, won it in 1999 and I was actually in the crowd. I was only a nipper. I was still a schoolboy. I was standing in the schoolboy stands in old Lansdowne Road. And you sort of just fell in love with the competition, especially coming from back home. It always seemed to be the biggest thing that everybody talked about. You know, obviously the Celtic League as it was whenever I was back then, uh, when I was at Ulster. But it was all about winning the Heineken Cup. And But to be coming to the club that we're at now and to be playing for the Chiefs, and I can still remember playing in the championship and wondering, would we ever make the next step and then when we made the next step it was about slowly growing and getting better and to be part of a lot of first things at the club is is something I'm really proud of and it would absolutely be everything to me if we could turn around and come away with you know Heineken Cup uh, be part of that first squad that wins it would be just it'd be unbelievable there you go just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you like the sound of that it's just a few quid a month for loads of extra interviews and features and we couldn't do all this without you so a massive thank you to you if you've already signed up for your support 
So the Chiefs are into the Premiership final. They've also got a Champions Cup final this weekend against Racing. How do you see that going, boys? Yeah, I mean, they lost to Toulouse at the weekend. They put a change team out, though. Uh, so they've rested all their big dogs for the final. What are you thinking, Jim? I just, Matt, I, I, I can't see past Exeter. I really can't. Yeah, I, I can't either. I mean, I, when was the last time Exeter really looked with their full team, with their full string, with Simmons playing 10, who's unbelievable? I, did, good. I thought it was good, but I, he's unbelievably good. Yeah, um, uh, you have to yeah. have him in the England squad. Have to, without a shadow of a doubt. Eddie won't know because he, he's got George Ford as his backup. Mate, and uh, doesn't matter. You, you've got to you've got to move on now. You you can't. I, I think he'll, I think he's in. I think he's second choice now. I, I don't think I don't think you could play at Leicester how that team have been and expect to be in, in the fly half position. And I'm not being horrible. This is me giving an opinion. And and you've got it's like Sheedy at Bristol. You've got to be in it to win it. And Bristol's have been in it. Sheedy's been the number 10, which is the most pivotal position. Yeah. You've got Exeter, who are unplayable. I don't know if you saw my tweet, went viral. And <laughs> Joe Simmons is getting man of the match, rightly so. And he's one of the best players on the pitch. Hmm. Every, you know, not just tactically, carrying the ball physically. Um, going back to your, your question, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's a really hard one to call because we've said it before with these French teams, they're big and physical, but the game's a little bit more than that. And for me, I felt Racing should have beat Saris easily. That, that's and what struggled. I thought. And, and they struggled. And it was it was down to a bit of magic off Finn, Vakatawa, and then obviously him off to, to finish that try off. And they didn't look unbelievable. But I haven't seen enough of the top 14 or any of the top 14 to base any of the judgment. I can only just go based on the European games that I've seen. And obviously there's a bias because I watch more of Exeter and I think they play such a good brand of rugby, the story behind them. But mate, it's Racing. Like you talk about Exeter's finals that they've been in. Racing are a team that have kind of been there and just haven't quite gotten over the line. So you've got to... It almost seems like it's now Saris aren't there. In Europe, it's Racing's turn. In the Premiership, it's Exeter's turn. Wasps, oh. Yeah, I mean, we want Wasps to win. We've kind of just said that. But I don't know. It's a hard one to call. I just wonder with Racing whether they can handle the intensity and the relentlessness of Exeter. And the discipline. Yeah. So, like, you think Exeter, the way they play, they play the possession game. They, you know, they've got the expanded stuff as well if they need it. But you have to keep, like you said earlier, you have to keep your discipline against Exeter because they kick it down there, then they drive that. Once they get in the 22, they're going to have to come up with some unbelievable power plays Rassing are to stop Exeter and Exeter have just got this belief haven't they that whatever they do however they do it they just keep plugging along and the breaks come and they wear a team down they you know they're relentless with their pick and goo and you're right discipline and understanding of of how to soak up a relentless team like Exeter and and take your opportunities and trying to turn them over when you can just doesn't sit that well with me in a French team I just think that they're... You think back to the errors they made, the high ball errors they made against Saracens a lot of the time. But it was like they were like, oh, we'll just win this at some point. And then they did it because of Finn's magic. But I just don't think Exeter... I think Exeter have a stranglehold on a team like Rassid and, and probably win it by 10 points, I'm going to say. Without going over old ground, how bad and how sad that the amount of time and money and the story behind Exeter, that there is no one that is going to be in the stadium to witness that. 
both weeks because it is so difficult to make a final, but to make two finals, yeah, mate, you hardly ever see it. The occasions you played in them, we've played. I played. The occasions are unbelievable. Aren't they? That's what that's what lives with you. Obviously, the game, and if they win, they win Europe. You can't take that away. But it's the occasion. It's the build up. It's the the build up that your family are going to be there. Everything you know, uh, Gareth Steenson's mate. Gareth Steenson's last game. Yeah. You know, if they're winning comfortably, I'm sure. You know, maybe if they're not, he'll get on. You know, he he could win. He could produce the winning kick to win the game. Do you know what I mean? Like all these kind of narratives that you dream of, you dream of. And from an extra point of view, mate, the story is incredible. To be in a European Cup final, and I know through default it's being played at Bristol down the road. Could you imagine the atmosphere? Yeah. Again, which we, 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 we're, I'm talking in a riddle now because it's something that can't happen. But again, that's what I feel really sad about. And we, we spoke to Lee Blackett about not having fans in at the Rico for a semi-final. But mate, Exeter, they love it. They absolutely love it. So I don't know. I don't even know. Are you allowed around people's houses? Who knows what you can do? I don't know what the what the rules are now. Some places you will be, but only in a bubble of six, James. And is that in the central belt or is that in tier one, two or six? Who knows? It ain't in Scotland, son, so you just better <laughs> oh, no. stay home. <laughs> you stay home or send the kids out. Send the kids out and get someone around your house if you're allowed JJ's to JJ's not allowed Scotland. out, mate. He's not allowed out now. He's grounded <laughs> until his head's better. <laughs> well, these first things off, the good, the bad and the ugly. And sons are with us again this week, aren't they, Goody? Yeah, sons are back and you've been sticking to their routine over the past six months, haven't you, Jim? I've not been sticking anything to the lid. I've just been doing it the way that I've been told. People are stopping me left, right and centre. Jim, Jim, your lid looks great. Your lid looks great. Basically, they're trying to say that I'm on fire. I'm not, but the lid is on fire. It's lit and I'm well happy. So thank you, sons. Sons is a men's health brand that's helping guys with one of the key issues they don't often talk about, how to keep their hair. They do this by offering free online consultations with GPs, providing a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss and delivering via a monthly subscription service direct to your door. They get results in 9 out of 10 men too, and you can take the consultation in less than two minutes. So visit sons.co.uk and use the code RUGBYPOD20 to get 20 quid off your first order. That's S-O-N-S.co.uk, and the code is RUGBYPOD20, so go and check them out and show hair loss who's boss. Yeah, plenty of good this week. Not a massive amount of games to talk about, but loads of good. And we're going to start off with, not a game, but some news. Some breaking news. We've had him on the pod. Namani Nandolo, he's back. He's back for Fiji. Loves it, mate. He is back for Fiji in the autumn, in the Autumn Nations Cup, which starts in a few weeks. I'm so glad the big fella's back for Fiji. Retired from international rugby just before the 2019 World Cup, and he spoke about it on our pod, didn't he? But it's great to see him back in the white jersey. He'll have to be a quadruple XL, though. Hey, Jim. Hopefully he plays because I'll be commentating on the big one, Italy versus Fiji, and I know him and he knows me. Not that that's a thing, but... <laughs> yeah, great to see him back in the Fiji fold. Uh, what else was good? We'll go to the Pro 14, Jim, the Guinness Pro 14. Let me guess, let me guess. Well, it's definitely not hashtag always. It's not. You're going to go Glasgow for Amarin 40-man Scarlets? No. You're going to go to Cooney Ulster? No. Oh, hit me then. I don't know what else you got. Cardiff Blues. They're two from two. Mate, uh, yes. Started yes, well. Yes. They beat Connacht 29-7 with a bonus point victory. So they're top of their pool. Great to see because the Welsh have been pretty bang average in that. But a good start from the Cardiff Blues. We'll stay in the Guinness Pro 14 and we'll mention him again. Ben Healy, yet again, kicks the winner for Munster. It was a relatively simple conversion, but no kicks an easy kick. He slotted the conversion after CJ Stander scored the try and they beat hashtag always not Edinburgh. 
Yeah, I mean, let's just talk about Glasgow this week. <laughs> You're a Glasgow fan now, yeah, great. So, yeah, hashtag Warriors. Ben Healy gets a mention. Uh, what else was good? We'll go down under, all the way down under to that. Oh, good. That little game, that little two-island country, New Zealand. They know what they're doing COVID-wise, but they don't know what they're doing with rugby. But the good part of it was how good was that test match? It was absolutely ridiculous. Surely that's got to be your good. It hasn't got to be the good yet. No, it hasn't the good yet. It best be good then. It best be good. Staying in that good bit of the test match, Michael Hooper, 100 caps for Australia. Phenomenal effort. He's only 28. Ridiculous. He could go for another five years. Would you rather be him or would you rather have a rig like David Pocock? I know what I'd rather have. The rig. I reckon... Hooper's got the same rig as David Pocock. No chance. You don't reckon? You're a, you're, you're a liar. You're a liar, mate. Pocock's amazing. He can't be far off. He, he's an animal. He's a test match animal. 100 caps for Australia. Hell of an effort. It's a tip of the slipper to Michael Hooper. Uh, what else was good? Callum Sheedy came on the pod last week. Bang, straight into the Wales squad. He completely mugged us off, though, because he didn't give us the breaking news. But he gets a mention in the good for that. Uh, we'll come back to the Premiership, and we'll stay in the Premiership. And extra Chiefs. Smashing Bath in the end to get to their fifth consecutive final. That I know was, where you're going with this now. That was I know, pretty good. I know where you're going. That was pretty good, but it isn't the good. The good can only go to one place, Jim. And it might be, is it two weeks on the trot? I don't know. Glasgow against Scarlets. It could be the mighty, mighty Wasps. Come on, you Wasps. Smashing Bristol in the semi-final. 47-24. Jack Willis, absolute hero. I think he's got 44 turnovers, which is over 25 more than any other player in the Premiership since the restart. He is a machine. Wasps dominating their home semi-final. Unbelievable performance into the Gallagher Premiership final. This week, the good goes to the mighty Wasps, Jim. Let's go to the bad then. We'll start off with your lot, Andy Rowe. All Blacks fans, why are you booing the kickers? We always what? boo the kickers. Why'd you boo the kickers? It's just Mate, not what's ruggers. What's wrong with that? It's just not ruggers, really, is it? It's just shit people. Not, what do you mean it's not ruggers? It's just shit people. Come on, Karen. What do you mean it's got shit people? <laughs> We're not football fans. Mate, it's what, banter. What are you booing people for? Mate, it's just not it, ruggers. Mate. mate, you're just get, you're just getting freaked out by the silence now because there's no fans in stadium. Mate, it's, I, I, yeah, don't. I, I saw I, you at the All Blacks as well. Oh, that's not good. At All Blacks. <laughs> Well, you're shit at rugby and your fans are shit as well. You don't even fill a stadium that's about 30,000 people, you mugs. So that was pretty bad. What else was bad? Um, we'll stick to that game, actually. Rico Ioani, what are you doing just before half time? Length of the field, just put it down. Now need to do your little dive in the rain, dropped it. He always, he always dives like that. That's he, his thing. Oh, he does, though. Not anymore. Like, I don't think he'll be doing it again, will he? Would have gone in at half time, 13-3 up, potentially 15-3 up, had they slotted the conversion. Um, which would have turned the game on its head, I think. But yeah, a bit of an error from him. Uh, what else was bad? We'll stay in that game, just for the crack. <laughs> New Zealanders, you're all mugs. Why aren't you going for drop goals? James O'Connor, why aren't you going for a drop goal? What happened? What, what is he a Kiwi as well? He's whatever, he's an Aussie. Yeah, anyway. Same, it's the same thing. Right? <laughs> it's the same thing. Mate. All from down there somewhere. Anyway, the fact that no one went for a drop goal to win the game, that's pretty bad. Richie Mwanga as well. Have a word with yourself. Um, what else was bad? John Cooney not getting picked in the Ireland squad. Travis for John. Jim apologised earlier in the show because you don't like Owen Farrell, do you, Jim? So Andy he Farrell. Like me. He doesn't yeah. like me. Well, yeah. Andy Farrell therefore didn't pick John Cooney because we've jumped on John Cooney's bandwagon. Not good, but I hope he recovers and I'm sure he will. Um, Ian Henderson, bit of bad for you. You see his red card? They're winning against the Ospreys. There must be only five minutes to go tops. 
and he throws the shoulder in at a rock. Absolutely no need to do it. Straight into the head of Dan Evans. Dan Evans got a scrum cap on, but pretty ridiculous from Ian Henderson. Mate, he's frustrated for Cooney, isn't he? So, yeah, let, let him off. Yeah, it must be. That wasn't good. What else was bad? Gareth Anscombe. Uh, we chatted about him earlier. The blow that he's out for a, probably another year from his injury. That got announced this week. That's not good news. But the bad this week has to go to Danny Cipriani's get-up on TV. Did you see the leather jacket and the ripped jeans combo? Yeah, I think I think he lost the bet. I think that's what's <laughs> happening. I don't think he did, Jim. I think he just thinks that's his threads are stylish. The 80s cool. No chance. And they no want chance. their leather jacket, ripped jeans. and what? It, did he think he was the Fonz? Or what did, it, 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 was, it was, no, because it was pleather. It wasn't even leather. It was pleather. <laughs> so, yeah, the bad this week goes to Danny Cipriani and his TV get-up. Uh, the ugly, two bits of ugly, and we've mentioned one of them earlier. Old spaghetti head. Michael Le Bourgeois. What are you doing with the lid? You look like an 80s German porn star. The tash, the lid, look pretty bad. That's pretty ugly. Well, you said 70s earlier, but I mean, 70s, 80s, I mean, I weren't a 70s guy. I'm more an 80s, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, travesty. I think there's more bush in the 70s. So, um, But yeah, Michael Le Bourgeois, sort your lid out. But the ugly this week, it has to go. Did you see Liam Williams tweet? Calling extra Chiefs bottlers. There's just some bad vibes there. There's some bad blood. There's some bad vibes with you and Saris. This no, is not. Day you've got, it's not. You're, you're trying to find a backdoor way. I, I hate, mate. I'm just saying that Exeter are top dogs in terms of where they finished in the Premiership. They're the team now that are leading the way with Wasps in the Premiership. Yeah, Liam Williams tweets that they're bottlers. There's obviously some bad blood. He's either gone fishing looking for people to jump on his tweet and get stuck into him, or he's having a bit of fun. But there's a lot of bad blood there between Saracens and Exeter. So for me, the ugly this week goes to Liam Williams and his tweet. Thanks, Gertie. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, haven't you? And one of them's uh, for something we were sent from one of your favourite holiday spots, isn't it, Jim? Yes, that's right. And no, it's not Lanzarote, and no, it's not Magaluf. It's actually come from Monaco. Unbelievable. Had a very classy bottle of gin from La Distillerie de Monaco. Coming this week, so a big thanks to the guys in Monaco. Apparently, they're big fans of the pod over there. And if you like your gin and want to try something different, I sound like you now, Andy Rowe, or you want to get a bottle or a gift for someone, check them out, www.distillerydemonaco.com. Or just Google Monaco Gin. That's what I'd probably do if I was you anyway. Uh, And you'll find them as the top result. They're offering free shipping on all orders and for our listeners using the code RugbyPod as well. I'm not just saying this. When we do a shout out, we mean it. That gin is delicious. It's unbelievable, especially with elderflower tonic. How good. You've got me into that. Very good. Is there calories in that? Of course there is. No, it can't be. I hope not anyway. Yeah, that's a lovely drop. And a big shout out to Jolene from her husband, Neil Miller. So Jolene Miller. Jolene. Jolene. Yeah, Jolene Miller. Uh, She has received an MBE in the Queen's Birthday Honours List for services to the NHS during COVID after she worked in A&E while also still working as a train driver. A massive shout out to her from all of us at the Rugby Pod and to everyone like Jolene, who's been working so hard to keep the country going. And Neil, her hubby, 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 says he's super proud of her, but everyone's got a downside and hers is that she likes Joe Marler, Jim. How do you feel about that? Mate, I'll let her off, mate, because she's doing good things. And her name's Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. 
Mate, how good is my voice? It is good, Jim. It is good, Jim. But more importantly, more importantly, Jolene, hell of a woman. Jolene Miller, congratulations. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. And thank you very much for listening as well. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on and check us out on YouTube as well. Jolene! Rubby pod. Pod, pod, pod. (laughs) Ha 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 ha